The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the POD cast. We are back. We are ready to talk some lines, talk some tight ends. List cast week. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, but before we get into that, let me introduce myself. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the managing editor of Pride of Detroit and your interim coach for the POD cast. I am currently wearing, I'm here for the Mozzarella Sticks t-shirt because of our charity drive a couple weeks ago. Uh, we hit a goal made me buy the shirt and it's already been redeemed on our Twitch channel that I must wear it now for the rest of the stream. So you're welcome to the live viewers. If you're just listening, you might want to head over to our Twitch channel and see it. There it is. Congratulations chat. Anyways, we're here. The POD cast it's June 22nd. When we're recording this, we've just hit the end of the off season program for the Detroit lions. We are in the void. Not a lot to talk about. So we are continuing our list cast. As I mentioned, we're talking about tight ends today, and then we're going to finish answering some of your Lions questions and some questions about some other things. Let me get to my guest before we dive into list cast. As always, my co-host here, Ryan Matthews. Back is the mother rock guy. At Ryan underscore POD. Mm. Ryan, nice to see you, bud. How you doing? I'm live and in living color this week because you my are. laptop my laptop decided to work. <laughs> It's a rare occasion, and uh, we're all better for it. There you go. Okay. (laughs) Our special guest comes from our eight-person panel of our list cast, uh, making his return for the first time in I don't know how long. It's it's been far too long. Hamza Bakush is here at Hamza underscore POD. Is that right? No underscore. Hamza POD. My bad, my bad. Hamza POD. Hamza, how are you doing, bud? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You know, every day is a blessing. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling tan. Got some good sunshine today. Ready to talk tight ends and ready to take my shirt off if the price is right. Oh, well, okay. Show us wow. your okay. nipples. <laughs> easy, easy. Let's wait for, I don't know. Let's not, you know what? Let's just, let's just skip past that. Let's get right to some, some football talk here. Um, you don't want to tease nipples? No, you know what? I don't. <laughs> Brian, I don't think you're ready for that. It's too early in the evening. Let's let's at least wait until segment three until we, we start the nipple talk. <laughs> and actually, the number one tight end on our list cast, his name rhymes with nipple. 
Oh, wow, you are just spoiling this right at the top. <laughs> Rob Gronkowski does not rhyme with nipple. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. All right, let's start our list cap. Anyways, uh, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, I'm sorry. It's not normally like this at the top, uh, but... <laughs> Uh, we are doing list cast, which is our own rankings of the positions in the NFL uh, in 2020. So these lists are supposed to represent um, player performance just in this year. It's it's talent. It's it's it doesn't take into account scheme or quarterback or surrounding cast, anything like that. It's just pure talent at this point in their career. So we're not taking future into consideration or, or cap space or anything like that. It's just the 10 most talented players at their position right now and tight ends is this week before we jump into our 10, I'm going to talk whoops, about some of the guys that didn't quite make our list. And, and I had a couple on my list that didn't make them in my top five or top six that didn't make the list, but let's first talk, you know, it's a Lions podcast. Let's first <laughs> talk about a Lions tight end that, that just missed out. He was 15th on our list. TJ Hawkinson, didn't hey, quite Jeremy, make it. Before we dive into that, uh, the yes. people on the Twitch channel want you to know that the screen says top 10 wide receivers. Yes, it does, because I'm an idiot. Thank you, chat. All right. Well, who cares about that? Right? A mistake. Everyone can make it. Shut up, chat. Nobody can see that on a podcast. They no, can only hear on things. Running <laughs> uh, but yeah, TJ Hawkinson did not make our list, but Hamza. You are one of two people for, that voted for him. So tell us why we're, the rest of us were wrong about not putting TJ Hawkinson on our list. Um, I don't know. I think it's, it's, a, it's a... Hold on. Let's see if I can go on a Trump-like tangent here. Um, I think it's a sticky situation. There's a lot of blur once you get past the top tier of tight ends. And I think, mm-hmm. especially with the variation how they're utilized, I think tight ends are somewhat going down the route that whole were a couple of years ago. Not that they're going to be obsolete. I think that's a little bit of an extreme comparison, but that, you know, some, some teams will make them the focal point of their offense. I think you, you look at teams like um, the Chiefs, the Niners, obviously two completely different types of offenses, but they both make tight end a very focal point of their offense. But then you also look at other teams where um, tight ends just aren't a part of it. Um, I can't name any off the top of my head right now, um, but there I know there are many to choose from. There's a reason. I mean, it'd be like choosing names that you don't know at tight end. Um, and I think with the Lions usage of tight ends, um, it's I, I do think it's above average. I don't think it's um, at the, the, the highest tier. However, I think if you look at TJ Hawkinson's production last year, he had some really good games. He obviously had many injuries. He lost time to still had, I believe it was over 400 yards, many touchdowns. Um, I think if you look at those, those sample sizes of his best games, especially week one against Arizona, that was quite the breakout game in week one. And you think about the fact that he's coming back healthy. He's coming back into his second year in the offense, an offense that historically with Seattle utilized tight ends pretty well. Um, and I'm not saying by volume, but in terms of their capabilities. So I think we'll be able to see TJ Hawkinson thrive next year, especially when you take into account the health, the second year in the system, the second year in the league. Um, and I think that he belongs right on the fringe there. I, I don't want to say you're wrong if you put him at, I mean, 14, 15, 16 instead of nine or 10. But I will say that because there's a very big 
kind of gap between the elite and the good and then the good and the average. And I think he's somewhere between the average and the good. He's going to year two. I like his odds of, of, of getting into that good category. And um, it's, it's up for debate, but it's not like a set in stone. So that was just, um, you know, as a Lions fan, I'm sure there's bias. Uh, he's on the top of my mind and I think he's, he's worth putting into consideration there. So that's why I had him there. Yeah. And I, I think you give a lot of good reasons there. I, I do like TJ Hawkins a lot. I, I do think, what we saw in Arizona wasn't just a fluke, wasn't just Arizona's bad defense, which certainly played a part into it. But I do, I mean, Ryan and I have kind of butted heads a couple of times on this podcast lately about the future of Hawkinson and kind of, I think mostly in just, I think we both think he's a good player. Um, I'm not, I'm not quite ready to crown him as a top 10 player. I even, I think I said last week that I was going to put him on my top 10 list and then I ended up not doing it uh, because I looked a little deeper and, and actually, you know, looked at some of the players, but it wouldn't surprise me to, at all to see him have a top 10 year this year. What about, do you feel the same way, Ryan? Uh, yeah, I, I think you were right in saying that we kind of, you know, butt heads and jest, but TJ Hawkinson, I just don't think he had a great rookie year. And I think a lot of pass catchers struggle in their first season. So it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him on a top 10 list next year. All right, let's move to another guy that didn't make the list. One that used to stand for, and also happened to come from the University of Iowa. You had Noah Fant number six on your list, but he didn't end up making it. Only one other person voted for him. Tell me about Noah Fant. All right. Here's the thing about Noah Fant. Came on late in the season, right? Um, Some really good premium stats, according to Pro Football Focus, um, in terms of what he was able to do as a pass catcher in terms of like yards per reception, right? So Noah Fant was actually second among tight ends in yards per reception. So just a big play, big play tight end. And I think for a lot of offenses, especially like Denver, that's going to be a really interesting dynamic that they can throw in there, you know, with Jerry Judy, with Cortland Sutton. And I know we're taking things, you know, in a vacuum, not a, um, you know, out of their offense, but Noah Fant, there was a reason why he was a first round draft pick. He's a really good tight end. And I'm just a little bit more optimistic about Noah Fant going into season two, because he did a little bit more than TJ Hawkinson, who was the lowest graded tight end in contested targets. I had to get that jab in. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for that. Uh, The one guy I'm going to stand for that didn't make the list. And I'm, I'm actually pretty shocked. He didn't make the list. He ended up being 12th on our list. Um, just a couple points behind uh, the top 10 there. Rob Gronkowski did not make our list of top 10 tight ends in the NFL. And I don't know, like I know being out for a year can be a big deal, but this was a guy that was still playing at the height of his career, at the the height of his talent at the end of his career when he was with New England in 2018. Like guy had almost 700 yards in 13 games his last season, three touchdowns. And, and I know, I know all the things you guys are going to say, you know, he's injured, missed a ton of games, didn't, hasn't played 16 games since 2011. But despite that fact, this man still has pulled in at least 540 yards every season, including those injured seasons, 540 yards is a lot for a tight end. That's about 13th. I think um, for, for 2019, for 2019, that would have placed him 13, 14, somewhere around there. This is a guy that I think is still fully capable of putting 800, 900, maybe even a thousand yards. It really wouldn't surprise me at this point. He is an hall of famer. He's an all pro. And, and 
I haven't seen any signs of him slowing down. Maybe the injuries are, are a big deal, but he's going to come in pretty well rested this year. And so I think you guys are sleeping on him a little bit. I don't know if I'm sleeping on Rob Gronkowski. I'm just worried about him getting his share. Sure. That that's not supposed to matter. It's not supposed to matter, but I mean, <laughs> it. I, I just don't think Rob Gronkowski screams like efficiency to me. Like, I know that he did things in New England that were really good because I think he was a focal point of their offense. I think that he can be a really good tight end. I'm just not going to put him on my top 10 because he hasn't played for a year. And okay. Sue me. Sue me. Mike Williams happened. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's yeah. I, I, I got to go with Ryan here. Um, and I mean, I know we said independent of, of, of coaching. And so I'm trying to, I'm trying to look at it that way, because if you look at it the way he was in new England, Rob Gronkowski was wide receiver one. He was for many years, even though he wasn't even a wide receiver. When he goes to Tampa Bay, he's still going to be above the average in terms of his performance, in terms of the target share, in terms of that scheme, because he goes under Bruce Arians, one of the best offensive minds in the league right now. And he's going in a total air raid attack flanked by people like um, Mike Evans, flanked by Chris Godwin. Um, God knows what they're going to do with OJ Howard. It's safe to say there's going to be a lot of other weapons to distract from that. And we're still anticipating 800, 900 yards because he's still well above the the kind of middle ground when you think about a tight end's average role in its scheme. So for that, I think in Tampa Bay, yeah, he's still going to be good. He would like objectively, he'd probably be like tight end three to five on my list if we were doing this independent of coaching. But I do think you have to account for the fact that he's still above the average role for a tight end in that capacity and above the average scheme. Um, how it utilizes the tight end. And so you kind of have to downgrade him a little bit in my mind. And I think I had him like eight or nine on my list. And so that's probably why I had him there. All right. Fair enough. Um, let's move into our top 10 list. We actually, we start with a three-way tie for ninth, Tyler Higby, Jared Cook, and OJ Howard. And let's, let's just start with OJ Howard, who somehow makes the list over Rob Gronkowski. And despite the fact that six people did not vote for him, basically. He was only bolstered onto this list because Mansoor had him fifth and Chris Perfett had him fourth. So let's all tell our listeners why those two are crazy. Right? I, I think it's a load of barnacles. I mean, <laughs> we just <laughs> talked about how Rob Gronkowski is going to be tight on one. I don't know what OJ Howard has shown to make us think that. Because he's been under Bruce Arians' offense. He's struggled with drops. He's struggled with, um, I mean, just just being consistent with his performance. There's, I think there's potential, and I think he'll have a breakout year. But again, like I just finished saying, I mean, being a tight end in a Bruce Arians' in, in the Tampa Bay offense for 2020, 2021, we don't know what will happen this fall, is inherently giving you an advantage. And I think putting him fourth or fifth is absolutely ridiculous. No offense to you guys. <laughs> None taken for me. I didn't put him on my list. <laughs> Ryan, is this is this a travesty? Um, it's not as bad as putting Hunter Henry on your list. You have Hunter Henry on your list. Do I? You do. Oh boy. Unless there's another Henry that I don't know. No, of. no, 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 no. I'm talking about in pass when we put Hunter Henry on the list. No, you don't recall that. No. Well, no. you know what's really what, what's what's really interesting, and I, I think before we get caught up in the like how the tight ends are utilized in their offense. Notice how New England completely shifted away from using their tight ends in 2019 because they did not have Rob Gronkowski. Right. Like, did you did you know that the New England Patriots targeted their tight ends only 53 times and that was the lowest in the NFL? 
mm. in 2019. They're a team that actually I mean, plays to their strength. It's kind of crazy, huh? Wow, it's wild. <laughs> yeah. All right. I, I don't have much to say about OJ Howard, but yeah. what an interesting offense that's going to be when it eventually happens, right? Yeah. Um, all right. Number co number nine, as I mentioned, Jared Cook. I guess I'm the only one that has to talk to him, talk about him because you two didn't have him on your list. And I had him fourth. I oh, man, he's, he's washed up. He sucks. <laughs> what do you mean he's washed up? He's not good. He's, he's not good. Eighth in receiving stuff. yards last year, eighth in PFF grade last year, first in DVOA in football outsiders. What do you want from this man? Did you watch the um, the compilation of clips? I forget if it was while he's with the the Saints or the the Raiders. I think it was while he's with the Raiders. But the compilation of clips of him just totally giving up on plays, like half jogging through a play, that was the moment I gave up on Jared Cook. He could have two thousand yards receiving next year, and I won't put him on my list. <laughs> okay. Here's here's the thing about Jared Cook, though, is that he's been consistently very good. I think top ten worthy. Everywhere he's gone, he's been in Tennessee, St. Louis, Green Bay, Oakland, New Orleans, putting up 600, 700 yards consistently every single year. And and my concern about a lot of guys that are higher than him on this list is that they're flashing the pan guys. We see a year that a quarterback and a tight end find a connection for one year and it's gone the next year. Eric Ebron, where is he now after a great 2018 season? It's gone from their team, Pittsburgh, <laughs> wherever. I'm, I'm, we're, I'm just where worried. tight ends go to get big contracts from the Lions. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Tell, tell me I'm crazy, Ryan. OK, yeah. Let me tell you, you're crazy because Jared Cook had the highest drop rate of any NFL tight end with 40 drop plus catchable targets. Over uh, oh Got him. Over OK. Uh, all right. So how about the fact that Jared Cook earned the lowest pro football focus run blocking grade among qualifying tight ends? That must, I mean, he must have had a really good receiving grade then, huh? If he finished eighth. Yeah, I mean, but. Must not Jer- be that many drops. <laughs> Jer- <laughs> Jeremy, I, I love your premise because I think I, I think I subscribed to that premise last week when we talked about Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that Julio Jones has played his entire career for the Atlanta Falcons. If Jared Cook is so good, why has he been a journeyman that's bounced around the league from team to team to team to team? He's searching for that title, maybe. Talking about for for everybody who's live here in our Twitch chat, I'm dropping the the Twitter link in the chat so you guys can uh, see what I'm talking. Oh, it makes me register. All right, <laughs> um, uh, come on! Everyone has an Amazon account. You look, this link it to your Twitch account, and then you subscribe to us for free. Plug in the middle right, of the right. countdown. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tweet it out there. Go follow me on Twitter. Let's get me over a thousand followers and I'll tweet out the link of why you should never put Jared Cook in your top 10 list. This is All right, the promo kid. section. Of this is not the promo. Stop, stop <laughs> cutting promos. Stop cutting promos. Let's talk about Tyler Higby. All right. Yeah. You're the only one that voted for him. So go. Okay. So, I mean, you want to talk about, you know, pro football focus grades. Okay. Right. I mean, Tyler Higby was a, um, you know, a receiving grade for tight ends uh, was third in the NFL. And this is a guy who ended up with 734 yards. So he put up some pretty good raw stats, 69 catches. Nice. Okay. The thing I like about Tyler Higby though, is that he has an opportunity to kind of build on that year. And I know that they got Gerald Everett there, 
but I think that that offense is going to be much more pass heavy moving forward. Whereas it was kind of oriented around like Todd Gurley and everything. Um, I just think Tyler Higby's, uh, I, I think he's a good NFL tight end garbage human I'm, being, but good tight end. <laughs> I'm going to make the argument for you instead of be against you here because Higby was just barely bumped off my list. You look at okay. how he finished last year. Strong. The, the last five games, 522 yards alone. Right. 107 yards, 116 yards, 111 yards, 104 yards, 84 yards. Wait, so how, how many yards was that? 522 in the last and five had, games. And he had 734 through 15. Yeah. And so I, I think that's kind that's both the reason why I almost put him on and also the reason why I didn't put him on is because it's a five game stretch. I need a little more evidence before I jump to conclusions with him. But you know, there, there's clearly some sort of thing that he has with Jared Goff now that that could could potentially go into next season. I'm just not quite ready to 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 commit. I, I think I think their gooberness has kind of like synced up. They're on the same <laughs> wavelength. <laughs> I like that. All right. With that, we are going to take our first break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the top eight. We still have eight to go. Top eight tight ends in the 2020 season. And then after that, we're going to get to your lines, questions in the mailbag. So stick around. We'll be right back on the POD cast. back with the pod cast doing our list cast for top 10 tight ends of the 2020 season when we last left you we had tyler higby jared cook and oj howard all tying for ninth meaning this is actually a top 11 list but let's move into our number eight our favorite tight end here on the pod cast hunter henry the infamous hunter henry makes the the, the pod cast list cast yet again Let's see. Let's go to Hamza first. You had him highest on your list. What do you want to say about Hunter Henry, who you had seventh on your list? Yeah, seventh isn't terribly high. I mean, he made the most of a totally broken Chargers team. I mean, still put up, what, like 600-something yards, a few touchdowns. I mean, it's that's respectable. I'll throw him in at seven. I mean, not a lot of tight ends can do that. Fair enough. Nice and quick. Ryan, why did he actually deserve to be on the list this year? Because he actually did something a year ago. So he Fair proved enough. to me, he proved to me that he could, that he could be an NFL tight end. Uh, it just seems like Hunter Henry might forever be the potential guy. And mm-hmm. you know what? If he is the potential guy, he always almost belongs on your top 10 list. As long as his ACL isn't blown out. <laughs> I mean, you, you look at the three seasons he's had out of four, you know, started with 478 yards in his rookie season, which History tells us is actually pretty darn good, especially with the eight touchdowns. He had 580 the next season, four touchdowns, and then he f- follows it up this year after a big ACL injury. That's you know we've seen that ruin some people's careers. 650 yards, five touchdowns. That's the consistency that I like to see in in guys that make that give me confidence to put them on this list. Because as we were kind of saying off stream, this was a really tough list. Like I think we can all agree on the top three, maybe the top four. But then there's a lot of just like kind of inconsistent, mediocre guys. And I think Hunter Henry definitely fits in that category. But I think he's knocking on the door of potentially being a top five guy. Um, We just need to see more health. We just need to see him kind of take that extra step. But 
I've been very impressed by his play. And I think he absolutely deserves to be on this list. Yeah. Let me tell you one last, uh, one last thing about Hunter Henry, one of my favorite stats. And I keep on talking about it with receivers, contested targets and contested Mm -hmm. catch percentage. Hunter Henry was the only other tight end other than Austin Hooper to end up with 10 plus contested targets and a contested catch percentage above 60%. So pretty good. There you go. Ryan, you're a contested catch because all the ladies are swimming for you. Oh, Hamza, take that shirt off, buddy. Okay. Hey, 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 hey. hey. Keep it together. We got another segment. All right. Uh, Let's move to our number seven and six, which actually is just a tie for six. Austin Hooper, the the aforementioned, and Evan Ingram. Um, Let's see. Who do we want to talk about first? Ryan, why don't we throw it back to you since you didn't have Evan Ingram on your list? Talk about Austin Hooper and try not to mention contested catches. Ready, go. Okay, I won't. I won't do that. So (laughs) Austin Hooper kind of had the breakout season last year. And the reason why he ended up on my list is because I didn't know who else to put at (laughs) at eight. Yeah. Um, But here's here's a here's an endorsement of Austin Hooper. I think that his year was more than just a contract season. I think that he finally got a chance to kind of show that he is the red zone threat. And I think that he, you know, we talk about guys on the list cast that do one thing like really great. And then we get to the top of the list and it's guys who like do a bunch of things like really great. And it's that razor thin difference between, you know, whether or not a guy is first, second or third. Austin Hooper is one of these guys that like, it seems that he is just a red zone machine, you know, Put him in the red zone, throw the ball up to him, let him make a play. But um, that's that's Austin Hooper, I think, in a nutshell. Yep, he's uh, he's increased his touchdowns every year uh, since his rookie year. Well, he had three, then three, then four, then six last year. So definitely a bigger presence uh, there in the red zone. Hamza, let's throw it to you because you had him even higher on your list. Let me see. You had him. You had him fifth, so you did him top five, and he just falls right outside the top five. What do you like about Austin Hooper? Um, I mean, he's good all around. I mean, we've seen him progress from when he first started. It's just been a consistent uphill for him. And I mean, he's growing his role in a time where we saw, um, I mean, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, a a loaded Falcons offense. He's carving out a role for him where there wasn't one before. So, I mean, props to him. I I respect the fact that he's kind of made a name for himself when it wasn't like he didn't just show up and have a role there already. That would make me think it was a product of scheme a bit more. So, I mean, yeah, it's just, I think that's a testament to his growth and his progression. And um, I think he deserves that recognition yeah i think the, the more i look at it now i think i made a mistake leaving him off my list i think part of my hesitation was being part of that atlanta offense and you know they throw it a billion times too and so i'm you know when you when you see high volume stats like the 97 targets that he got last year you, you kind of question it a little bit but you also look at it 10.5 yards per catch that's pretty solid 787 yards in 13 games. So, you know, he could have very easily cleared a thousand yards and that's no, no easy accomplishment for, for anyone in this league. Only three players did it last year. Um, so I, I think he probably should be a top 10 tight end. I mean, unless he didn't quite make mm-hmm. it, but um, I, I see no problem in having him six on the list on our yeah. collective list. Right. And, and I mean, 75 catches for those 93 targets and he was third in PFF in drop rate. And he only had two. So the other stat. and the other person who tied with him, Evan Ingram, let's talk about Evan Ingram for a while. Um, again, it was, it was actually Hamza who had him highest on the list. So I'll throw it right back to you. Hamza, what do you like about Evan Ingram? 
Oh, I mean, just like Austin Hooper, honestly, it's it's the same exact narrative. He's he's started to carve out his role, seen a consistent growth through his, I think it's been three years in the league now. I mean, he does have the problem with injuries. Um, three years is a bit small of a sample size because he went 15 games, 11 games, eight games played the last three years. So that, that's concerning. However, in eight games with Daniel Jones at quarterback, he had 467 receiving yards. That's a lot of receiving yards, just like you just said. Could have easily surpassed a thousand for Austin Hooper. Same deal with Evan Ingram with Daniel Jones at quarterback. So that inherently gets you like a couple hundred receiving yards bump in my mind. Um, and so I think it's, it's good to see him. I mean, he's grown, he's, he's underrated as a blocker as well. He does his work there. He, he earns his pay. And I think um, just kind of, overlooked because um, he's in the Giants offense, which isn't great. The team as a whole isn't great, but he's carving out that role for himself and it's consistently getting better in spite of the changing scenery around him. Yeah, I like Evan Ingram a lot. I mean, the talent out of out of college was obvious. It's why he went so high in the draft. Um, it, it's unfortunate, all the injuries. And, and I, I realize if, if that's why you had him lower on your list. I understand that. But based on pure talent, I think Evan Ingram's a, a top five guy. I mean, I had him, I had I nine, totally, but yeah. I had nine, but only, only really because of the injury thing, because like you mentioned, he's kind of more of that complete tight end that, that we, we haven't really even started talking about blocking with any of these guys. This guy had a 67.2 pass block grade last year, which is second of everyone else on this list. Um, so he, he's a little bit more of a dual threat. I do think he could have a really big breakout this year, this year, if he stays healthy, because like you said, he was basically on track for, for 900, almost a thousand yards last year. And if you, if you do that, then you're, you're considered automatically a top five tight end in this league. And, and that's why I think, uh, I think we might see it. Ryan, is it just injuries that, you, that had him off your list? Yeah. Yeah. I, I always say the greatest ability is durability. So mm-hmm. you just gotta, you just gotta play more. He, he obviously has the talent. And I think that he is, as far as tight ends go, he's probably, one of the guys who just screams modern NFL tight end because he's Mm. basically a wide receiver out there playing tight end. But like you mentioned, he has that really impressive ability as a pass blocker. So that's, uh, that's another feather in his cap. And if if he can be, if he can be healthy, you know, the sky's the limit for him. All right, let's move into our top 10. We move to Las Vegas for our number five, Darren Waller. Did you just say let's move into our top 10? Did I say top 10? Why do you keep yes. pointing out all my mistakes, Hamza? Well, that's why you brought me Are on we the show. About to fight? <laughs> top five. If I didn't, if I said top 10, I meant top five. Darren Waller's our number five. Ryan, let's go back to you. You had Darren Waller as your number four. So it was right around where you expected him. What do you like about Darren Waller? Seems about fair. I don't think that he's a flash in the pan. Also, he was like the hard knocks darling that everybody fell in love with. Right. I mean, I, I think he's over rank right now. I think he's no, higher than he should be. He's not. He's not, though. Let me tell you why. Because this is one of those guys who I think is really just well-rounded. He I mean, for a guy and this is the thing for a guy who received as much volume as him, he was second in the NFL among tight ends in catches, but he was also, I mean, he had a really high yards per reception, 12.7, which was the same as Travis Kelsey. Like let's give, let's give some credit where it's due. I think that Darren Waller belongs in this conversation of top of top tight ends in in the NFL. And, you know, he finished, uh, he finished uh, tied for fifth uh, in PFF grade. So I, I think Darren Waller definitely belongs on that list. He also had a, 
a, a catch of 75 yards. So if we do the Jeremy Reisman thing where we take away his best yeah, catch, yeah. it's probably yeah, a little bit less like, than 12.7. I can't yeah, think of yeah, like <laughs> I don't uh, know. I'm six. I don't can't. I can't math. Hamza, you had him even higher. You had him as your number three, if I'm not mistaken. So, so tell us why you yeah, like Aaron so. Waller. He's, he's pretty good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's pretty good. I think if you look at the Raiders offense, they lost Amari Cooper. Um, I mean, I, I don't even know who their top wide receivers were. So that in and of itself is a testament to the fact that week in, week out, when you post 1,200 receiving yards, that's different from 700, 800, where you have a good game, you have a bad game. That means every week you were playing lights out. And that means by week seven, week eight, week 10, defensive coordinators know this is the guy they're throwing to. And defensive coordinators are making that the highlight of the defensive plan. And he was still able to produce to, I know, like, I mean, they're just reaching around 1,200 yards for 90 receptions as a tight end is, is a whole nother tier. And even if it is a flash in the pan, I have to give respect and respect is due because that means week in, week out, he performed. And that's not something that a lot of tight ends can do. Fair enough. I, I think people are just in love with Darren Waller's story. And I, for, let, me, let me also be clear here before I, I, I admit, I'm not even trying to attack the guy. I'm not going to take his 2019 season away from him. It was, it was fantastic. I mean, how can you take. 1100 yards away from man three touchdowns out of nowhere but i do think we tend to get enamored by by good stories and darren waller is a great story you know was out of the league in 2017 after a couple years in baltimore dealing with addiction all that sort of stuff comes back two years in oakland second year just comes out of nowhere and blasts 1100 yards that's an amazing story that's a great story but i need to see more i i can't i can't crown this guy a top five tight end based on one year and nothing else he's a great story he's a great story with 1200 yards and 90 reception don't forget that <laughs> true. but i mean even yeah. like even if he was a, a standout in college like then maybe i'd, I'd be but we're talking about a six round draft pick i i just don't know how often success stories like this exist and then continue to exist i don't see it a lot maybe this is an example but I don't necessarily see something unique in, in his game that tells me he's going to continue on this crazy upward trajectory of, of an, a 1,000 yard receiver as a tight end. I but just also, need to see a little yeah, more. I have seven on my list, so I'm not hating him. The, the rankings are about where he is at this point in his career. So, I mean, we got, we got to throw this, the, the, the three other seasons before uh, in the trash and focus on where he's at right now. Fair enough. Fair enough. Sorry. All I, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't need to apologize. I'm I'm gonna let it slide. Uh number four on our list, Mark Andrews, who also had a crazy breakout season. Um, Mark Andrews basically, let's see. Huh? No, Ryan had him the highest. Uh Ryan, tell me about Andrews, who's fifth on your list. One of my favorite stats from PFF yards per route run. And uh he was second in the NFL among tight ends, just behind George Kittle. So, I mean, this is a guy who last year, I mean, one of the most impressive things about Andrews, though, was like his deep receiving performances. Uh, He had 18 deep targets, eight deep receptions, 224 deep receiving yards on eight catches. So, I mean, this was a guy who was able to stretch the field. Now, like I said, you're getting into guys who can go out there and they can do certain things and be really elite at it. 
And Mark Andrews fits that mold of modern NFL tight end who can run the seam route and stretch the field and make big catches. And he, he did it pretty consistently uh, all year long in, in 2019. So um, one other interesting stat for him too, though, and I talk about those seam routes, slot receiving performance led the NFL amongst tight ends um, with yards per route run as a slot receiver. So interesting when you have a guy who is versatile enough to line up in different places along the formation, whether or not he's in tight with the line or if he's in the slot, Mark Andrews really kind of did a little bit of everything last year and he did it pretty, pretty darn well. I will say, I, I think I do see a lot of similarities between he and TJ Hawkinson. And that's why I had, I had Hawkinson nine and him 10. I probably shouldn't have done that, but you know, I think, in my mind, I do have to give him a big bump down because we're doing this independent of scheme, independent of coaching, and independent of Lamar Jackson and the Ravens offense. So that, in my mind, I don't mean any disrespect to him. He's a good tight end. But also, I mean, the Ravens are very reliant on tight ends, as well as the fact that you have Lamar Jackson in your backfield to distract the linebackers. I mean, Hollywood Brown to take the top off the defense. No wonder he's in the middle of catching 25, 30, 35-yard passes. It's, I mean... I mean, it's just, I, well, it's, that's deeper than the middle to be fair, but I mean, he's a good tight end. I just, I'm not as high on him as you are because I'm very, very hesitant. I mean, he, like he paid, he had what 500 something yards um, last year. And that was when Lamar played half the season and his rookie season. And he had a lot more yards this year. And that was when Lamar really went off. So it's just, I don't really have a sample size of him without Lamar. So it's, it's hard for me to make that determination, honestly. So I'm just a little bit wary on that end. I mean, the, the the jump he made last year is the jump that we're all expecting or hoping TJ Hawkinson makes, right? Like, he only had Stafford for half his season. He he, he only had, what, two touchdowns and, and 300 and almost 400 yards. Well, Mark Andrews had 550 yards and three touchdowns. Then he jumped to 852 and 10 touchdowns. Now, maybe 10 touchdowns is, is a little high for the expectations for, for Hawkinson next year, but I think he provides a, a really good example of, of what... Hawkinson could potentially do in 2020. And so um, if, if I'm going to kind of for, if I'm going to predict that sort of success for, for Hawkinson, I have to give it up for, for Mark Andrews who went out and did it. And yeah, I think obviously he, he got help from a good running game and a great quarterback and a, and a great head coach and, and good scheme, but he, he put it, I mean, number two in PFF grade amongst tight ends. This, this was no fluke. Also a solid, you know, not a great, but a good blocker as well. So kind of gives that well-roundedness as well. All right, let's jump into our top three, which was almost a consensus top three. Almost every single one of these guys either got first, second, or third on everyone's list. Let's start with Zach Ertz, our number three tight end. Ryan, you had him second, so you must love you some Ertz. I love me some Zach Ertz and, and I have for, for so many years. And, and the reason why I love Zach Ertz is because you know exactly what you're going to get out of him. And it's like, it's, it's like borderline that top tier play. And for tight ends, I think in the NFL, if you have staying power, like I just fall in love with you. Delaney Walker was one of my favorite tight ends for years and years and years, because he was just a guy who consistently showed up and did his job every Sunday and did it really well. Zach Ertz is kind of the same thing. For, I mean, since 2014, he's had at least 700 yards every season. And I mean, he's a guy who for the past three seasons, six touchdowns, eight touchdowns, eight touchdowns. 
he's a guy who they, they use in the red zone. He just consistently gets targeted there. He has Dallas Goddard there too, you know, and, and <clears throat> we think about things independent, hopefully. but right. Hopefully, you know, um, best wishes to my man who got sucker punched, but Zach Ertz is just a guy who's done it consistently for so long that I know that next year he's going to be one of the top tight ends. And I know that I, I like, I know that, right? Like yeah. we can't say that about Darren Waller or we can't say that about necessarily Austin Hooper, or we can't say that about Evan Ingram because of injuries. Zach Ertz is going to be there when football starts again. And he's going to be one of the best tight ends in the NFL. Yeah, I would just echo everything that Brian said. I had um, Ertz number four and Darren Waller number three. I probably should have reversed them, but I just do. I I do think they're on opposite trends. I mean, Ertz is still going to be a good tight end. He's still probably going to post like 700, 800 yards. I don't know if he's um, really on the, on the upswing though. Especially, I mean, tight ends have a long shelf life, but not a long like elite shelf life. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's he's good. I think they're just trending in opposite directions. I probably should have had him ahead of Waller though. Yeah, I don't think I can say it any better than Ryan did. The man is still 29, too, so he still has, you know, still hasn't jumped that that 30 wall. And uh, I think I think Ryan, like Ryan said, like he's one of the the few tight ends in this league you can count on for being elite next season. And and that's that's why he absolutely deserves to be in the top three. I think so. Let's move on. Let's just move straight to number two, Travis Kelsey, another solid consistent guy um let's go let's throw it right back to you hamza you had kelsey number two right where he landed so so what do you like about him um yeah i think i mean he's great i mean he's he's really good and i think um i i I know we give him a lot of recognition for the last year or two i think he was really on the map for a long time being overlooked because he was in that kind of slow-paced alex smith offense and the last year or two, three have really changed that. And so I think I'm, I'm glad he's finally getting the recognition he deserves. He's um, honestly probably in my book already. I don't want to say better, but close to getting close to passing Gronk in terms of like all time of tight ends in my mind. Um, I, th- I mean, he, he's just really good, has consistently been really good in I mean, sure, under Andy Reid for a long time, but also with very different systems with Alex Smith versus Patrick Mahomes. And Mahomes really bring out the best of him. He's an all-around tight end. He's, I mean, been a trooper after how many concussions. And, um, I mean, aside from those, hasn't been, uh, not that I endorse being a trooper through concussions, <laughs> God forbid, but um, aside from that, has not had very many nagging or like worrisome injuries. Um, he's all around really good. I think everyone knows. Can I mean, can I spoil number one? Um, <laughs> they could probably guess. Right. I, I mean, he's, I, I think he's on the same tier as George Kittle, but I think you having Patrick Mahomes as opposed to Jimmy Garoppolo um, is definitely in uh, a, a leg up, even if uh, Kittle has Kyle Shanahan um, at his disposal. So I do have to give Kittle the edge. I think as a blocker too, he just has a slight edge. Kittle's just extremely dynamic in a way that it, it's just, he's fiery as a blocker that he, I, I don't want to spend too much time on Kittle, but comparing the two, he's fiery as a blocker in a way that Kelsey is Kelsey's very good as a blocker, but I wouldn't describe him as fiery. So between that and having Patrick Mahomes instead of Jimmy G, I have to um, say that Travis Kelsey's number two here. Brian, anything to add on Kelsey? I mean, it was a razor thin difference. You're really splitting hairs between Travis Kelsey and and George Kittle because Travis Kelsey is probably a top five tight end of all time. 
I mean, he's, he's done the work. He's going to continue to do the work. He's one of the best. He's one of the best. We, I talked about how, how good of a season Mark Andrews had from the slot. Travis Kelsey has been doing that every single year. He's one of the best guys that can just line up anywhere in the formation. And he's going to make a catch and he's going to, it seems like whenever I see Travis Kelsey make a catch, it's for a first down. And Travis Kelsey, I mean, whether or not he catches it before the six or catches it after the six, like the guy, like he, he just fights for yardage afterwards. And, but th- that's another thing that the guy at number one does, but I think just, just, he does it better. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, yeah. And it's funny because I'm looking at the receiving uh, stats right now and Travis Kelsey led the NFL uh, amongst tight ends and, and first downs with 66 last season and he caught 97 passes. So, I mean, that's a pretty good number for a tight end when you're running, running the kind of routes that they run. So I had Kelsey as my number one. He's the only receiver ever in the NFL to put up a thousand yards in four consecutive seasons. And he did it before. Yeah. After George Kittle hasn't done that, guys. He yeah. Put up because consecutive thousand yards season, no. guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, just the fact, I mean, and and even going back to the two years prior, he had 862 and 875 those two prior years. So six straight years of at least 850 yards, four straight with a thousand yards. I don't know. For I mean, maybe we'll see that again. Maybe we'll see it with George Kittle. But I mean, you you want to throw one of one of Ryan's favorite lines? Your best availability. Your best abilities are availability. The dude has missed one game in six years. He's just he's an incredible force. He's a mismatch from hell. He's he's consistent and he's everything you want in the position because because like you said, he blocks too. So he's my number one. But our collective number one is George Kittle. Who wants who wants to go on the man? Is, is B stuff ball in our chat? Oh, there he is. He's here. He's in our chat God, yelling at me because I put one. Kelsey as number one. <laughs> so uh, the only thing I have to say about one. this is, yeah, uh, if we go back to the Saints game when they needed that conversion. Look at that one play of what George Kittle did, dragging four Saints defenders how many yards down the field to get them in field goal range when they needed it most. That is, I know Kelsey fights for yards, but that, oh baby, that was perfection. That was chef's kiss right there. So I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> Ryan, I'll let you have the last word on Kittle. I, I hate to do this to George Kittle, but Hamza already kind of spoiled it by calling him fiery. I love everything that George Kittle does from snap until the end of the play, whether it's run blocking because he's the best run blocking tight end and it's not even close in the NFL. As far as like after the catch in 2018, he broke the PFF record for single season yards after the catch and with 873, regardless of position, regardless of position, regardless of whether you're running back or receiver, like team tight end, just, even tight end scheme, tight end <laughs> George Kittle. He's just, he is the, he is. If, if you could build a modern NFL tight end, like you would want it to be George Kittle when everything's said and done, George Kittle could be the best tight end in the history of the NFL. Ooh. Ooh. Saying that about a, a guy two years into his career already. Ooh. He's done enough. All right. All right. Well, let me run down in case you're just joining us uh, live on our Twitch channel. Our top 10 Titans for the 2020 season. Number one, George Kittle. Number two, Travis Kelsey. Number three, Zach Ertz. Number four, Mark Andrews. Number five, Darren Waller. Number six, tied between Austin Hooper and Evan Ingram. Number eight, Hunter Henry. 
Number nine tied three ways with Tyler Higby, Jared Cook, and OJ Howard somehow. Anyways, that's our top 10 list cast. Next week, we are doing edge defenders. So uh, we're going to have another special guest for that. But for now, we are headed to the mailbag. So stick around. We're answering your Lions questions next on the POD cast. Have a shirtless. Hashtag SPOD anytime y'all got some questions because we got them answers. Hit us up anytime on Twitter or wait for the Pride of Detroit post on prideofdetroit.com. You can throw your comments slash questions there. We're going to get right into this so that we don't lose Ryan, who is on a a, a, a flailing battery. Unfortunately, Hamza also had to go out. So we're going to get this done. We're going to go quick. We probably got to go a little short anyways, because like we always do with ListCast, we went a little over. But anyways... Let's start with John Dobbs on Twitter. He asks, if no fans are allowed this season, how will lower caps affect players? What about TV blackouts due to not selling out? Let me jump on that second question first, because interestingly enough, I don't think, I don't think this really gets publicized ever. The blackout rule has been gone for five years. I think in 2015, they discontinued it. That's wild. I had no idea that they got rid of that. Yeah, I did some research after I saw that question. I'm just like, that's weird. I, you know, we haven't heard about it ever with the Lions, and we just kind of assume it's because they've been selling out. It's also because it doesn't. They just they're like, no, this is stupid. They listen to the fans. They were just like, what? I'm paying crazy money for Direct TV and all this stuff, and I I can't see my game if I can't if people local to the area can't see it or don't go to the games. Pretty ridiculous. So, uh, yeah, that is no longer there. In terms of how this might affect the cap. It's kind of up for grabs. Do you, do you have an, uh, a, a take on, on how, you know, this whole COVID situation might affect the cap? Well, I think what ends up happening, and I think what's been pretty well documented so far, is that it's really going to hurt the little guy. It, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt the players that are on the fringe. It's going to hurt. I mean, sure, it's going to hurt players from the top of the pay scale all the way to the bottom of the pay scale. But you think about those players who are fighting for a roster spot. You think about what happens if they, I mean, as they work through for, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think the, the problems I see are that those, those players who are making fringe money in training camp, they're, they're going to be making even less money. And that's really tough because you, you hear about the kind of paychecks, like who was it? Um, uh, it was uh Kerry Hyder. Remember Kerry Hyder? Yeah. He got, um, he got that, uh, he got that fine. And if he wouldn't have made the roster, it would have actually cost him money to play that year that he played for the Detroit Lions. Yeah. Got so, I mean, you think, in the preseason, you, yeah. And, and that's a pretty specific scenario, but like it happens. even without it happens. And even without that fine, I think that you, you see, you see these players, it's just, it's gonna, it's gonna hurt the little guy. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see if it hurts a big guy too, because you know, a lot of people are projecting now that the salary cap is going to go down next year. Um, if there's no fans, if there's no season, you know, whatever happens with the whole situation. And, you know, there are a lot of 
players. I, I think it was Justin Rogers who wrote an article about the the extensions that might be coming for Kenny Galladay and uh, Taylor Decker and and how, yeah, maybe, maybe they have to figure in a lower cap figure for those guys in 2021 because there is going to be a cap hit. And so, yeah, I think, I think there, there is a potential that it's going to affect some of, some of everyone really. But, mm-hmm. but like you said, I think that the littler guys are obviously going to feel it more. Yeah. Um, next question comes from Kahuna 70. He asks, what amount of assets should the Lions devote to the supplemental draft? This can be a major player if the draft order remains the same and the uncertainty of the NCAA season. I answered a question about the supplemental draft uh, maybe a month or two ago. I'll, I'll do it again here. Um, nothing has changed about the supplemental draft. You can't just like go and draft, you know, Trevor Lawrence because there might not be a college football season. The NFL has already gone out and said, we're not changing the rules of the supplemental draft in order to be eligible for the supplemental draft. You had to not, you had to be considered not eligible for the 2020 draft that just happened, but the eligibility has to have changed since then. So that's usually with like suspended players, players that were in maybe legal trouble that, that got cleared or whatever. Um, so the lines aren't going to do anything. They probably won't. And the fact that the fact that their draft order, which will be third in the supplemental draft, just like it'll be then will not change. Nothing changes about that. Um, so don't, don't expect anything different from the supplemental draft this year. It's, it's going to basically be the same lines probably aren't going to do anything. I haven't looked at the players that are eligible for this year's supplemental draft, but it's not going to be like a free for all grab because the NCAA season might not happen. So don't, don't start thinking about that as, as a way for this team to, to roster build for the 2020 season. It's, it's not going to happen. The um, supplemental draft being totally inconsequential since it's <laughs> inception. <right. laughs> um, I want to jump down on our list um, to talk about uh, another question that we had <clears throat> from Ulysses Norris 80. He asked, let's say football is canceled this year, including college. How do you have a draft next year? Do you use last season standings. Do lines get the third pick again, a lottery. How do you establish top college players? on and on kind of a similar question. Um, the, this is also an interesting question too, because I think it was Dave Burkett who put an article raising this question. Like what if there isn't a season, how would the draft work? And there's precedent here because we've had lockout years. And so correct me if I'm wrong. I think you, you probably know about this too, Ryan, the NHL season after the lockout, what they did, I think was average the, previous three seasons record to either they either determine draft order that way, or they set up a lottery with, uh, with priority given that way. So you, you take the last three seasons records, you rank the teams and then you give them lottery balls based on the, that accumulative record. And so I think that's, that's a, a solution that I think makes sense. It wouldn't necessarily favor the lines that much. I mean, they'd have a nine and seven season, plus what six and 10 and three, 12 and one. So, you know, they'd probably still be in the top 10, but probably not as high as third. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that, is that something you think would be a fair solution? I, you know, I, I think that it would be um, just because I don't know. I think it would be, I just don't have a better solution for it. Like off the top yeah. of my head, I, I really don't have a better solution for it. I, I don't know if you could necessarily just transpose this year's draft order and, and, and do it again. 
I mean, that, that seems kind of silly. It seems like you'd want to, you, you'd want to add some, some other factors into it. It's funny though. Cause I feel like if the, if the NFL decides to do something like that and the lions end up, you know, eight or nine because of whatever they do, people are just going to be like, oh, it's another time lines got screwed. They had, the, they had this opportunity NFL to get the the third overall picks and the NFL's like, Nope, can't let that happen to Detroit. And let them have Jeff Okuda and some other player. <laughs> uh, Lou on Twitter at Lou one, one, three, six, sorry, a bunch of numbers, whatever. He asks, uh, who has the biggest prove it year coming up? He thinks it's Deshaun hand. If you can stay healthy, you will be a top 10 guy this year. Who's your prove it player for the Lions this year. That's a really good answer. I mean, yeah. Deshaun hand is a great answer because if he doesn't prove it this year, how can you even factor him into your plans long-term or moving forward? Because this is a guy who should have produced last year, struggled with injuries. If it happens for a second year in a row, I mean, that's a guy who hits the chopping block, even for guys who, you know, are, are, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round picks that you're bringing in because those guys, like I said in earlier segment, greatest ability is durability, but one other name, and you're going to hate me saying it, TJ Hawkinson. What what is proving it to you? Like what what is the bar he has to hit for Hawkinson to have proven it? Like raw numbers? Sure. Um, I need him. I, I was gonna say I need him six hundred yards, sixty catches, five touchdowns. Okay. He has to hit all of those bars, or what if he only hits like what if he has seven touchdowns? If he, catches, only if he catches if he catches four touchdowns. I want him out. <laughs> Get out of here. A um, couple good answers in chat. Uh, carry on. I almost feel like carry on already had his prove it year and he didn't prove it, but we'll see. Um, but I do. Doesn't that I, suck though? I, I, I kind of feel the same way for Jared Davis too, which is another answer in chat. Oh, that's a tough one. I, I The team, the team I genuinely believe still believes in Jared Davis. So, I mean, it, it's certain. I mean, yeah. They, they declined his fifth year option. So in a way, yeah, this is absolutely a prove it year for him, right? Oh man. I just thought of two guys that are inextricably linked, but what about Taylor Decker for a prove it year? If he has if he, it down, I mean, if he gets, if he gets a contract has, extension, then he doesn't need to prove anything. Right. He doesn't have to prove anything, but if you go into the season, you say like, Hey, like we need you to be healthy. We need you to be this. We need you to be that. And then the other name, what about Matthew Stafford? Get out of here every no, year he's out of excuses he has no, to do <laughs> you know that i love matthew stafford just as much as the next person but this is finally when we can have this discussion uh, you're right you're right you can actually have the discussion of like should the lions move on I, the answer yeah. to me is no but right that's when you can finally start entertaining it i, I think i think the stafford people will finally the, the the we want stafford out people will be in full force no i mean no if the lions have a bad year you know 10, 10 losses or more. And Stafford has the year that he had in 20, what was it 2017? That was kind of a, a rough year for him. I think it was, it was either 2017 or 2018. Then yeah, talk's going to be loud and it should be loud because one, we're, we're probably seeing a change in coaching staff, maybe a GM two. Yeah. Stafford will be 33 and coming off a bad year. New coaching staff might want a new quarterback and, and they'll finally be able to, to semi get out of a, a Stafford contract that'll probably only cost him. I don't remember what the figure is, something like 20 million instead of 30, 40. 
Um, so I don't like your answer, but it makes sense. Thank you. <laughs> uh, let's move into some non football talk really quick before we jump into some more lines to finish things out. Uh, TJ go blue, TJW go blue, uh, from our pride Detroit question or comment section asks, what is your favorite bad movie? Let's use rotten tomatoes, tomato meter as a mark to qualify. What is a bad movie? Bad movie. Um, I okay. have an answer if you want to think this over. Yeah, go ahead. Bubble boy. <laughs> Bubble boy. I, yes, that is everyone's first reaction to the movie Bubble Boy, which let me see what it is on Rotten Tomatoes really quick. It is 31% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, that's acceptable. It's better than you think. And to be fair, I haven't checked in on it in a while. It may not have aged well. There's a very good chance that it may have not aged well. But Jake Gyllenhaal as this weird adolescent kid who, spoiler alert, is in a bubble because his mom was being overprotective, not because he actually has some sort of crazy illness, which we find out at the end. Yeah, I just ruined the movie for you. Sorry. Uh, actually, really funny. Also has Zach Galifianakis before he was in The Hangover. Um, it, it, it's it's it, it's it's good. I just remember it always being on Comedy Central throughout like the the mid aughts, and I'm like, this movie's actually kind of good. Why was it just marketed like a garbage movie? It's not bad. It's not bad. It's not bad. I, I, oh, yeah, I Danny Trejo's in that movie, too. Like, you, you just see a guy who eventually becomes like an A-list celebrity <laughs> doing a what? A D-list film? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's cool. All right. Um, what's your answer? My answer is good. This, can I say Billy Madison? It's a really bad movie. Like, objectively, it's a bad movie. <laughs> I, I have a special Billy Madison as a kid. There was no movie that I saw more than that. I know that movie up and down and it's 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. So I'll, I'll allow it. It's, it's silly think it, and it's dumb, but I love it. I love it. Oh yeah. I mean the, the premise of it is so wildly stupid, but obviously <laughs> Sandler Sandler just like carries it. Yeah. No question. Do you want yeah. me to sing the, the song in the middle of that movie? There, there's just, a, a part where it just breaks out in a song for no reason. Yes. I'm no, I won't, I won't, you won't make me, you can't make me channel points. Channel yes, points. I will go back to school. <laughs> Watching victory. No. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on to the next question. I got my lunch packed up and my <laughs> shoes tied tight. I hope I don't get in a fight. Oh, oh. yeah. Back to school. All right, you got 5% battery. We can't waste time on this. 3%. Speaking, speaking <laughs> of bad movies, my buddy, Judge Judge Jim, at Dr. Jimbo Baggins on Twitter asks, why does P.O.D., one of the most successful Christian rock groups of all time, have three songs on the Little Nicky soundtrack? <gasps> Little Nicky is a terrible movie that's not good. Yeah, that's a bad movie that's bad. The protagonist is literally the son of Satan and P.O.D. has three songs on their soundtrack. Apparently money, I think is probably the answer. Also, why do you know what the, the little Nicky soundtrack is? <laughs> Who has looked into the little Nicky soundtrack ever? That's like me knowing the exact order of the track list on Astro lounge. It's not great. 
<laughs> Why do you know that? No, I, the one I, song, the one song I remember from Little Nicky is Power Man Five Thousand when worlds collide. Like that's oh like my. the only song I remember. I have a weird memory of that song. I was playing pregame during a roller hockey game of mine, and I would eventually <laughs> break my wrist in that game. Ouch! Not good memories. Weird, weird memory. I don't know why I remember that. All right, let's jump back to some lines related questions before your battery runs out here. This is what it's like when wrists collide. <laughs> John Wallace Howell on Twitter asks, in this make or break season, is there any way Patricia is fired, but Quinn keeps his job? I have much more confidence in Quinn than Patricia, but don't know how he could survive if the record is bad enough to doom Patricia. Mm. Quinn Trisha is just, I, I, th- I think that they're going to be a package deal. Like if one goes, the other goes, right? Do you agree with that? I've, I have felt that way for a very long time. I did get word that it might not be as true as most people think it is. And I'm, I'm with John Walls here that I, that I do have more trust in Quinn than I do Patricia. But it's going to be hard to argue anything if this is in a successful season because Quinn has been here for a long time and now he's had three years to draft four players that he's comfortable with. He's draft. I mean, he said after Caldwell's gone, like this draft was a little bit different because now I'm drafting players I'm comfortable with, players I know, a scheme that I know. Now he's in year three of that, and if the team isn't competing, then that's on him. So while while I've been told it's maybe not as attached as as they are. I don't see there's any way you can fire one without the other. doesn't make any sense to me. There's been no, there, there's been nothing that's happened so far that makes me trust Matt Patricia. I, I mean, yeah. that's just, that's Stacks. just where I'm at with that. Stacks. Um, all right. Last question before we go from field of burn 2020. He asks, if there isn't an NFL season, how can we support Jeremy and the POD staff to make sure you guys go, don't go hungry. First of all, field of burn. I appreciate the sentiment. We're going to be fine. I promise you. But if, if you really are wondering the best way to support, I mean, if there's not an NFL season, we're basically going to be on Twitch all, all week. We're going to be having lots of Twitch sessions, playing video games. And I guess that's the one place where you can really uh, support us. Those that money goes straight into our pockets. There's no funneling through SB nation or anything like that. So if you're not familiar with our Twitch page, go to Twitch TV, twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit, follow us, subscribe. You can subscribe free if you have an amazon prime account um that's probably the best way to do it um but like i said we're we're all going to be fine most of us are just doing this for fun um you, you don't need to worry about it. there there are more people in need so make them the priority but if if you feel it's absolutely necessary come to our twitch page and support us there that's all i can say yeah do it that way i mean there are i think that there are an awful lot of other worthy causes to be pumping your money into for sure. Um, Speaking of which, I wanted to say this before we go. Yeah. It's pride month. And I feel like I, I I would be remiss if, if we went the entire month without mentioning it as pride month. I know there are a lot of other things happening in this country, but um, it's we, we thought we did a a, a Twitch um, donation charity thing um, a couple weeks ago. It was originally going to be a a, a pride month thing. Um, Unfortunately didn't happen that way. So if you're interested in, in helping them out, which I would hundred percent encourage, go search the Trevor project and, and give to them. That's all I want to say. Cosign. Cosign. There we go. All right. 
that's going to do it for our Twitch, our podcast, our whatever you want to call it. Thank you for joining us. As I said, next week we're doing a list cast of the top edge defenders. That's going to be a fun one. We all love talking about edge defenders. But until then, it's chaos. Be kind. We'll see you guys next week. Oh, <laughs>